Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So chapter 27 continues with Surah Az-Zariyat. In the verse we left off, Allah was telling us how the angels came down and visited Prophet Ibrahim and were disguised as humans and the Prophet Ibrahim didn't know. Two random people showed up and he invited them inside and without even asking, he also brought them something to eat. Such a small part of the story, but again, Islam is so beautiful that it shows us how all Muslims should behave with guests and even strangers. As the story continues, the two strangers revealed themselves to be angels and that they brought good news that the Prophet Ibrahim was going to finally get a son that he's been making dua for. And once his wife heard this news, she was like, what? How can I have a baby? I'm 90 years old now. And the Prophet Ibrahim was actually 100 at the time. Isn't that crazy? Prophet Ibrahim, a beloved prophet, has been making dua for a child for like 80 years or something. And now when it seems like it's impossible to have a child, Allah blesses them with one. Because after all, Allah can literally make the impossible possible. This is a brilliant lesson for us too. How many times do we make dua for something? Maybe for months, maybe a year, maybe much longer. And we get upset when Allah doesn't give us what we want and we give up hope. But this shows. Allah will always listen to your du'as. Allah knows when it's the best time to give you what you want and Allah will always give you more than what you ask for. You have to stay patient. You cannot lose hope and you have to believe and trust that Allah knows what's best. As the story continues, the angels came to tell Prophet Ibrahim another news as well. The angels tell the Prophet about the people of Luth and how Allah was going to send punishment on that entire nation for not stopping their sins. And if you forgot, the people of Luth were doing a lot of zina and there was a lot of homosexuality going on as well. The entire nation was destroyed except for one house, and that was Prophet Luth's house. Even the Prophet's own wife was left behind and destroyed. She didn't engage in zina, but she supported it. Another lesson for us. In today's world, homosexuality is becoming even more common, and it's a struggle for many people, even in the Muslim community as well. As Muslims, we are told not to judge and to be nice to others regardless of their sins. But that does not mean that we should support the sin. We can support them as a person, but we are not allowed to support the sin. But this also doesn't mean that we kick them out of our mosques and community and bash them. No, their sins are between them and Allah. And by bashing the Muslims who struggle with their sexuality will only push them farther away. Let them be and let Allah take care of the rest. Allah then mentions the story of Prophet Musa, Prophet Saleh, Prophet Noah, and how Allah left a clear warning sign after destroying those nations that refused to accept the truth. Those nations that were destroyed is supposed to show the disbelievers during the Prophet Muhammad's time that look, this is what will happen if you disobey Allah and reject the Prophet. Those destroyed nations are also a sign for everyone else as well too. Allah tells the disbelievers the same way Allah created these nations and destroyed them, Allah created Jannah and how also Allah created the universe and how it's constantly spreading. Another scientific fact that the universe is still expanding in all directions. The Quran mentioned it thousands of years ago without any fancy telescopes or equipment. SubhanAllah. Allah says, look at these signs and run to Allah. Do not wait. Allah says, if you make a tiny effort, Allah will walk to you. And if you walk to Allah, Allah will run to you. Allah tells us that Allah created the jinns and humans to worship Allah. This is to remind us of our purpose. Our purpose is to worship Allah. Allah doesn't need our worship. We need Allah's worship. That should be our priority in life. But in today's world, we have made our purpose in life to get money, to have nice cars, to get an education, travel the world. Again, those are not bad goals, but that should not be your first priority. Your priority should always be Allah. I'll use the classroom example again. Imagine the teacher gave you an assignment to draw the mountain, but you decided that you wanted to draw an ocean instead. You might have drawn the most beautiful ocean, but that wasn't the main assignment. You are doing extra credit, thinking and hoping that it will help you pass your main assignment, when it will not. So, focus on the main assignment, and then focus on the extra credit. 
So this is where Surah Az-Zariyat ends, and the chapter continues with Surah At-Tur. So this surah starts by Allah making an oath, that Allah swears by the mount, by the holy book, by the house, by the universe, and by the oceans, that the day of judgment will come, and a punishment will happen. So kind of like how when we say, I swear on Allah that I will get good grades if you buy me a PlayStation, Allah is swearing that the day of judgment will come. The mount is the place where Allah revealed the Torah to Prophet Musa. The book is the holy books that have come down. The house is referring to the Kaaba here on earth, and also the Kaaba that's directly above the Kaaba on earth where 80,000 angels make the waf. Allah tells us that the day of judgment will come and Jannah, heaven, will shake and mountains on earth shall fly. Basically imagine every natural disaster, earthquakes, hurricanes, and twisters. Allah says it's going to really suck for all those people that rejected the Quran and wasted their lives arguing. How often do we get stuck wasting time over dumb things? Wasting time with petty fights? Useless conversations, distractions like social media and games. Allah says those people will be thrusted violently into hell and will be told, Do you still think it's a lie? Do you still think this is all just crazy talk? Another magic trick? If you remember, the disbelievers back then would accuse the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, of being a crazy person, a magician, a poet. That the Prophet, an uneducated man, wrote the Quran himself. And Allah's response to this was that if they think that the Prophet, peace be upon him, wrote the Quran himself, then try to copy it, write something, or bring another book that comes even close to the Quran. And obviously they weren't able to. Allah tells the Prophet, peace be upon him, that no matter what sign you show these people, they will always have something stupid to say. So just have patience, give them the message and let them be. Continue your worship when you rise, when you sleep, and when the stars are out. Basically another reminder of how important it is to remember Allah right when you wake up, right before going to sleep, and especially during Tahajjud. So this is where Surah At-Tur ends, and the chapter continues with Surah Najm. This Surah begins in the same way as the previous Surah. Allah swears by the stars that rise at night that the Prophet Muhammad is not a madman, and that this message is from Allah. Allah tells the disbelievers that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, did not make up this message. He had no choice in becoming the messenger, and that he wasn't taught by another human. This message was delivered by a very powerful being, Angel Jibreel. The same way the sun rises, that's how Angel Jibreel came to the Prophet Muhammad in his original magnificent form. Allah then talks about how Angel Jibreel took the Prophet peace be upon him on a journey to reveal him the knowledge Allah wanted him to see. The first time was the night of Miraj where the Prophet visited every level of Jannah. The second journey was when Angel Jibreel took the Prophet peace be upon him to the sixth level of Jannah to a place called Sirat al-Muntaha which is described as a beautiful tree that starts from the 6th level of Jannah and then rises into the 7th level. The Prophet peace be upon him was shown how beautiful and amazing Jannah looked. He was shown indescribable things. And the verse says that the Prophet Muhammad stayed calm and composed. He wasn't looking around everywhere like crazy. Imagine that you get the chance to visit the palace of a president or a king. You'd be like, oh my god, you'd be looking everywhere and taking pictures. The Prophet peace be upon him kept himself composed. Many people think that the Prophet Muhammad saw Allah himself, but that's not true. In a hadith, it is said that Aisha was asked by the Sahaba if the Prophet peace be upon him saw Allah, and she replied, whoever says that he did is lying. He never did. Allah showed the Prophet Muhammad the most beautiful signs of Allah and Allah's greatness so that he can go and spread the message back to the people. What's ironic is that the Prophet peace be upon him's nickname was the truthful, the honest. And this name was given to him by the disbelievers before the Prophet peace be upon him even became a prophet. He was known to always tell the truth. But now when the Prophet peace be upon him told the disbelievers about what he saw, they wouldn't believe it. Allah asked the disbelievers, 
Who is Allat? Who is Al-Uzza and Al-Mannat? Who are these God you people made up? Do you people think that you can just come up with any random God out of nowhere and just worship him? These three names were the names of female angels that the disbelievers turned into gods. Allah says these are just names. They don't have any power. Only Allah rules and owns this entire world. No one else. Allah says there are thousands of angels in Jannah, but they have no control over what happens to people. Even if all the angels gather to help one person, they would not be able to because only Allah is in control of people's fate. Allah is in control of the angels as well. Allah says it's dumb that these people worship these angels as gods without any factual reason. This information that the disbelievers have is not coming from a book or some sort of proof. They are literally just making it up. Allah says whoever is this stubborn and lost, just let them be. Don't waste your time with them. Allah will judge them accordingly on the day of judgment. And to those that do good and avoid the major sins, Allah will reward them, even if they sometimes slip up into smaller sins. Again, Allah is showing how merciful Allah is and how Allah will reward you for your struggle and forgive you for your smaller sins if you avoid the major sins. Allah asked the Prophet, peace be upon him, did you see that person who turned away from the right path? This verse refers to one of the chiefs of Quraysh who was close to converting, but his idol-worshipping friend told him, Hey, don't give up your religion for Islam. If you are worried about what the Prophet peace be upon him said about the punishment of hell, then pay me. I will take responsibility for your sins. And so he paid him and rejected Islam. Allah says, are these people so out of their minds? Do they have any idea how lost and crazy they are? Don't they know that no person can take responsibility of your actions? No one can take punishment on your behalf. Every person is only responsible for their own actions, no one else. Allah says that the only thing that determines a person's fate is their effort. You get what you earn. Your deeds will determine what you get in this life and in the hereafter. So if you don't put any effort into the hereafter, you won't get anything in the hereafter. And in the end, it is Allah who will decide what happens to you. Allah is the one who causes people to laugh and to cry. Allah is the one who gives life and causes death. Allah is the one who created the male and female from a drop of sperm. Allah is the one who provided rith, money, and success to people. Allah is the Lord of the universe. Allah is the one who flattened the nation of Ad and Thamud. Allah is the one who washed away the people who rejected Prophet Noah. Allah is the one who blasted the people who ignored Prophet Lut. So how do you dare doubt Allah? How can you possibly deny Allah? This is a warning to everyone out there that the last hour of the world is coming soon and no one will be able to stop it. But you people instead laugh and think it's funny? You ignore Allah and waste your time with stupid pointless things? Bow. Bow down to Allah and worship Allah. Bow down and seek Allah's mercy. In a hadith, it said that these verses were so emotionally powerful that the people listening couldn't help it that they immediately fell into sujood. So this is where Surah An-Najm ends and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Qamar. So the context of Surah Al-Qamar is that the disbelievers during the Prophet peace be upon him's time asked for a sign, a miracle. They said that all the previous prophets were able to show a miracle, why can't you? If you show us a miracle, we promise that we will accept your message. So the Prophet Muhammad asked Allah to give him the miracle. An angel Jibreel came to the Prophet and told him that Allah had accepted his dua. The Prophet Muhammad gathered everyone when there was a full moon and then in front of everyone, with the permission of Allah, the Prophet split the moon in half. And not just a little crack down the middle, like literally in half, where one half was above Mount Qubais and the other half was above another mount. You would think that this would finally convince the disbelievers, right? Nope. They went crazy saying, this is impossible, this is pure magic, you are a magician, this isn't real. 
So Surah Al-Qamar begins by saying, the moon splitting in half should be a huge sign and prove to you people that the day of judgment is going to happen soon. Allah says, you people can deny all you want. Call it magic, call it a lie. Allah says, that's exactly what the people before you said too. Allah says, you'd think all the stories of the past prophets would be enough to make these people see the truth. But these people are just too stubborn and ignorant. So Allah tells the prophet, peace be upon him, to just leave these people alone. The only sign that will make these people believe the truth is once they are brought back to life on the day of judgment. Allah then references the story of Prophet Nuh, saying that his people also called him a madman and rejected his message. What did Allah do? Allah opened the gates of the sky for water to pour down and flood the entire nation. Noah's Ark was a sign of what happens when you reject Allah's message. Allah says, Prophet Nuh's story is in the Quran. Did you not learn from it? Did you not see the punishment that they got? It's all there in the Quran. Will you just ignore it? Allah said, Prophet Saleh's story is also in the Quran. Did you not learn from it? Didn't you see how Allah punished the people of Thamud in a single blast and turned everything to dust? It's all in the Quran. Are you just going to ignore it? Allah says, Prophet Lut's story is also in the Quran. Did you not learn from that? Didn't you see how Allah rained down stones upon that nation? It's all in the Quran. Are you just going to ignore that too? Allah said, Prophet Musa's story is also in the Quran. Did you not learn from it? Didn't you see how Allah collapsed the ocean on top of Fir'aun? It's all there in the Quran. Are you just going to ignore it? Allah tells us He made the Quran as a very easy reminder. It has all the stories of all the prophets who were rejected and has every punishment that Allah has given to the people that rejected the message. Allah tells us that Allah has destroyed so many nations like you and you people are still not taking this warning seriously? Those people will be dragged on their faces and will be told, now taste the flame of hell. So this is where Surah Al-Qamar ends and the chapter continues with Surah Ar-Rahman. So this surah is all about the blessings Allah has given us. The surah starts with Ar-Rahman, which is one of Allah's 99 names, which means the merciful one. That it is Allah, the most merciful, who has created the Quran. It is Allah that has created humans and taught them how to speak and express themselves. It is Allah that created the sun and the moon, which follow precise movement. It is Allah that has created the stars and the trees that all bow down to Him. It is Allah that has created the universe and Jannah all in balance. It is Allah that has made the earth for all beings, meaning both humans and jinns. It is Allah that has given us fruit and vegetables for us to eat and grow strong from. So which of these blessings from Allah are you going to ignore and deny? So this is one of the surahs that also addresses the jinns as well. And for those that didn't know, the Quran is also a message for the jinns too. As the verses continue, it is Allah that created humans from dried rotten clay. It is Allah that created jinns from fire. It is Allah that is the Lord of the East and the West. It is Allah that created two seas to merge but not mix. We spoke about this in Surah Furqan, the two oceans that don't mix, the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean, which by the way, during the Prophet peace be upon his time, no one had traveled to that side of the world yet, so it would have been impossible to know about those two oceans at the time. So which of these signs and blessings from Allah are you going to still ignore and deny? It is Allah that provides for everyone in Jannah and in this world. It is Allah that constantly maintains the universe, creating life, giving death, and expanding the universe. O oh, jinns and human, if you think you have the power to go beyond the heavens and the earth, go ahead and try, but you will not be able to. Basically implying that everything in this universe is in Allah's control. Allah says Jannah and the skies will split open and you'll see red skies. And on that day, no jinn and no human will be asked about their sins because their sins will be right in front of them. The criminals will be marked and dragged by their hair. So which of these signs and blessings from Allah are you still going to ignore? 
Those that fear Allah will be given two beautiful green gardens that will have two springs flowing from them. Both gardens will have their own special delicious fruits. And as you recline on a soft and comfy couch, those fruits will be in reach to you. So which of these signs and blessings from Allah are you still going to ignore and deny? All praise to Allah, the most merciful, the Lord of majesty and glory. So this is where Surah Ar-Rahman ends and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Waqiyah. So this surah begins by talking about the Day of Judgment, that when the event will come, then no one will be able to deny it. The event in this verse is talking about the Day of Judgment, Resurrection, when everyone will be brought back to life. Allah says that the Day of Judgment will turn everything upside down. The entire earth will be violently shaking. Heavy earthquakes will be happening throughout the world at the same time. Mountains will crumble and turn to dust. And then everything that is brought back to life will be put into three groups. The people on the right, the people on the left, and then the people in the front. The people on the right will be the righteous and the blessed. The people on the left will be wicked and miserable. And the people in the front will be those that were ahead of everyone else. The best of the believers who will be closest to Allah. So you see here that there are three main groups of people. The sabikun are the people in the front. They will be the Muslims who will basically be the best of us. The people who got 92% and above on their exams. These people will have a special place in Jannah. They'll be seated on couches with gold on them and they will have young immortal boys that will serve them whatever they want, and they will be given beautiful wide-eyed virgin women as reward. Now this specific verse can be quite misunderstood. Some will question, why is Allah promising young boys and beautiful women as a reward in Jannah? Isn't that kind of creepy and weird that young boys will be servants in Jannah? First thing you have to realize is that our minds are used to thinking of young boys and beautiful women a certain way because of what we have seen in this world. This world is dirty, and those bad and dirty thoughts people think of in this world do not exist in Jannah. When you think of young boys, think of the joy that grandparents and old people have when they see their grandkids. There is beauty in something so cute and innocent. And again, these young servants are only there to serve. They are not there for sexual pleasure. The wide-eyed virgin women, on the other hand, yes, Allah does promise these hurs, that's the name that they're given, many times throughout the Quran as a reward for pleasure. But are we forgetting that this is Jannah after all? It's paradise. Allah has made so many things haram for us and controlling our pleasure with zina is one of the hardest things for both men and women to do. So of course Allah is going to reward us with pleasure in Jannah. That's the whole point of Jannah, to enjoy. Everything Allah made haram as a test in this world, in Jannah they will all be halal. Even the wine that will be served, Allah promises that it will not harm the mind or get a person drunk. But it will still provide them happiness. People today in this world want to be surrounded by beautiful women and engage in zina, but now that Allah is rewarding people with the same thing in Jannah, all of a sudden it's disgusting. So do not think of Jannah the same way that you would think of this world. Otherwise, of course, it will sound weird and wrong. Allah then talks about the people of the right. These people are the ones who basically got a passing grade. Let's say 70% and above. That's a C-. Allah says that these people will also be blessed with gardens and springs and that they will also sit on soft couches, but these couches will not have any gold. So Allah just trying to show the difference between what the best get and what the best of the best get. It's like the difference between first class and business class. Both are better than economy, but of course, first class is way better and nicer than business class. The people on the left, on the other hand, these will be the people who have failed. They will be stranded in the middle of blazing fire, in boiling water, surrounded by pitch black smoke. Allah asks the disbelievers, Allah is the one who created you. How can you deny that? Do you control if the sperm makes a child? No, Allah is the one who makes that happen. Or the seed that you put in the ground. Who do you think made the seed? Who do you think makes a seed actually grow? I'm sure many of us have put a random fruit or flower seed in a garden. Does it always grow? 
No. So how does the seed know how to grow? Allah made it that way. Allah tells us that He created us and our death is also under His control. Allah tells us that yes, He created us in the form of humans, but that Allah could have easily created us in a form that we don't even know about. Basically saying, yeah, I could have made you into an animal, maybe a lamp or something that you can't even imagine. So how can you still reject Allah? Allah asks, look at the water that you drink. Who do you think brought it down? Look how tasty it is. Allah could have easily made this water taste bitter, but He didn't. Look at all these blessings Allah has given you, and this is how you thank Allah? You people don't have the common sense to connect these dots? Allah sent down this amazing book full of wisdom, and you people take it as a joke? Okay, then watch and wait to see if you will still be laughing in hell. So this is where Surah Al-Waqiyah ends, and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Hadid. So this surah was revealed when the Prophet Muhammad was in Medina, and during this time the Muslims were struggling a lot financially against the disbelievers. So Allah revealed this surah to remind the Muslims that it's very easy to say that you're Muslim just by name, but that it's important to prove it with your actions. So this surah begins by praising Allah, the Almighty, the owner of the universe, the first and the last, the most wise. All of these were part of Allah's 99 names. Allah reminds the Muslims that look at the blessings I've given you. Everything Allah has given you is Allah's anyway. It belongs to Allah. Allah gave you those blessings and trusted you to use it to help others. Not just be stingy and keep it all to yourself. So for example, imagine your mom gives your older sibling $100 and tell them, Hey, spend $30 to get groceries, spend $50 on your siblings to get them Eid clothes, and then spend $20 on yourself. Your older sibling only got that money to spend it for those things. So how will you feel if that sibling spends that entire $100 on themselves? Of course you'd be upset. The money you have, the things you have, they are not yours. They are Allah's. And yes, Allah gave you those blessings to enjoy too, but also so that you can spend it on others. Allah tells us that anyone who spends for the sake of Allah, Allah says it's like you're giving Allah a loan. Usually when you need a loan, you go to the bank and ask them for money, right? Allah is saying that if you spend for me, it's like Allah is taking a loan from you. Meaning whatever you spend, Allah will repay you with double the amount. This is the only time when interest is halal because this is the interest from Allah. Isn't that funny? Let's go back to the sibling example. The mom gives her child $100 and then asks them, please let me borrow this $100. If you do, I will give you back $200. Allah is basically rewarding us for something that He gave us to begin with. SubhanAllah. Allah makes it very clear. Anyone who spends for Allah with good intentions, with pure intentions, meaning not showing off for others, whether it's their time, their money, skills, or any effort, Allah will never let the tiniest action go to waste. In today's world, we're all looking for the best investment in this world, right? What's the best company to buy stock from? The best way to turn your $1,000 into $10,000? This! This is the best investment anyone can ever make. Where Allah will turn your $1? Allah tells us that on the Day of Judgment, the true believers will have a bright light on their right hand that will light up their entire way to Jannah. It is said that there will be a bridge from the world to Jannah and below it will be hell. Depending on how many good deeds you have, that's how big that light will be in order to guide you. Those that didn't do so well will have a light the size of their toe or none at all. And this bridge will be slippery for them. It is said that this bridge is as thin as a hair and there is scorching fire on both sides. The disbelievers will trip and be dragged down to hell, but the Muslims that didn't really take Allah seriously will crawl and stumble in the dark as they find their way to Jannah's doors. Allah reminds us that Allah made this world as a temporary place. It's just a distraction. It's not the real destination. So do not lose focus of the actual destination. 
you're basically waiting during a two hour layover and you're outside of the airport taking tours and having fun without realizing that you will miss your flight. Allah asks us, why are you chasing this mansion on earth when you could be chasing the mansion that I have in Jannah for you? What would you think of the person that worked their entire lives just to get a little scooter and they rejected a Rolls Royce? You think they're crazy or stupid, right? Well, that's exactly what majority of the people in this world are choosing. They're working super hard for a scooter when Allah is offering them an when Allah is offering them a Rolls Royce. No, actually, Allah is offering them the entire Rolls Royce dealership, the entire factory, actually. So this is where chapter 27 ends, and Surah Al-Hadid continues in chapter 28.